Deep inside every one of us is a lion waiting to be unleashed. Are you ready to be unleashed into your destiny? As we stand on the edge of time, the web of deception is being unraveled. Carl Joseph offers you the red pill and the keys to unlock the shackles of your mind. Get ready to be transformed by God's supernatural power. Let's join him now. Today, friend, I'm going to talk about the Catholic Church and whether or not their doctrine of salvation is the same doctrine that Jesus and the apostles preached. How exactly does one get to heaven if you're a Catholic? Friend, this is a touchy subject to say the least. There are approximately 1.1 billion Catholics worldwide, and I sincerely believe there are true believers in Christ that reside within its organization, no doubt. Many of them love God and God loves them, but it's the doctrine and leadership I'm going to address today. Did you know the term Catholic comes from the Greek word katholikos, which means universal? Friend, the greatest threat to true Christianity today is the repression of biblical truth for the sake of unity. But unfortunately, this is the ecumenical path many churches have gone down. The Papacy's Vatican II Ecumenical Council in the mid-1960s was where these heretical decrees toward ecumenicity were formulated. These doctrines later funneled the Catholic Church into finally acknowledging all faiths of the world as equal when Pope John Paul II and even Mother Teresa later stated that Catholics and Muslims serve the same God, which is a lie. No, friend, this is simply evidence of apostasy from true biblical orthodoxy. The Encyclopedia Britannica further expounds upon this apostasy by saying the church is called Catholic on the ground of its worldwide extension, its doctrinal completeness, its adaptation to the needs of men of every kind, and its moral and spiritual perfection. Clearly, it chooses to adapt or pander to the needs of men more than it cares about God's holy word. And this, my friend, is certainly not spiritual perfection, or at least by God's standards. Now, if you go to the Catholic website, they outline seven sacraments, and by keeping these seven sacraments in one's lifetime, then one can make it to heaven. And they are, number one, baptism, which according to them removes original sin. Two, penance, in which one confesses his or her sins to a priest, not Jesus, I might add. Number three, the Eucharist, considered the reception and consumption of the actual body and blood of Christ. Number four, confirmation, a formal acceptance into the church. Five, anointing of the sick, performed by a priest only and never a lay person. Number six, holy orders, the process by which men are ordained into the clergy. And finally, seven, matrimony money, which provides special grace to a couple. Did you notice something missing from that list, friend? There's no mention of repentance, of becoming born again or being baptized into Christ. There's no mention of believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. This is my concern for all Catholics. Now, certainly there are traditions that Protestants follow like Catholics, including confirmation in some cases and praying for the sick, obviously, but these don't provide salvation. Also, one needs to perpetually participate in these sacraments. Otherwise, they claim you'll fall into disfavor with God, and this reinforces their works-based salvation. Now, of all the seven sacraments that I've mentioned, two of them specifically are said to be requisite by the Roman Catholic Church to attain eternal life. And these are baptism and communion. Because of the Roman Catholic Church's belief that baptism is required for salvation, Catholics maintain that it's important to baptize infants. But nowhere in Scripture can you find even a single example of this, and neither are we commanded to do so. 
Friend, we do believe in baptizing in water because the Bible commands us to do so after we're saved. It's a symbolic act of our death, burial, and resurrection with Christ Jesus. It's symbolic of our past life being buried and resurrected into newness of life, just as Israel passed through the Red Sea and entered into the Promised Land. But friend, we know from Christ's account on the cross that baptism is not necessary for salvation. It's certainly a command of our Lord as an act of allegiance and obedience to Him, but our salvation does not depend upon it. For example, when Jesus was crucified on the cross between two thieves, one of them said in Luke 23:42, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom, to which the Lord answered, climb down from this cross, friend, find a bathtub quick, fill it, baptize yourself, climb back up on the cross, and then you'll join me in paradise. No, 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 he didn't say that. You simply need to repent and believe upon the Lord Jesus. Now let's talk a bit about some of the actual false teachings within Roman Catholicism. Number one, calling priests father. As you know, the priests in Catholicism are called father, but this is strictly forbidden in Scripture. Jesus warned his disciples against this in Matthew 23, 9, when he said, And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Number two, idol worship. The worship of statues and idols goes directly against the second commandment. In most Catholic churches, there are idols and statues everywhere, and even saints are venerated or worshipped on par with God. This goes against the Holy Scripture in Exodus 24, where God says, You shall not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Number three, praying repetitive prayers with beads. Friend, what possible benefit is there in saying the rosary a hundred times with the same chant over and over again? Hail Mary, Mother of God, blessed art thou among women and the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Hail Mary, Mother of... You get the point. This is nothing but vainless repetition. Jesus warned against this in Matthew 6, 7, when he said, When you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen does, for they think that they'll be heard for their much speaking. Number four, the Virgin Mary on par with God. Roman Catholics teach that the Virgin Mary never had sex after Jesus was born and that Jesus had no brothers and sisters, which we know is a lie from Scripture. Newsflash, Mary is no longer a virgin, folks. In fact, Mary was in the upper room in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost and got spirit-filled just like all the other people there. Now the Pope teaches that Mary is the mediator between God and man, but this is blasphemy, friend. Jesus is our mediator and intercessor, not Mary. Catholics also engage in more of praising and praying to Mary than Jesus himself. The rosary, in fact, often ends with Hail Holy Queen to Mary, not God. This is personification of the worship of the Queen of Heaven that down the ages has posed as Ashtaroth, Diana, Semiramis, and a whole bunch of other false gods. This is mother worship. It has nothing to do with Christianity. Number five, saints are determined by the ruling papacy and not by the word of God. Friend, the Bible makes it clear we're all saints, kings, and priests in God's sight. But according to the papacy, only special people who've done tremendous services for Holy Mother Church, like Mother Teresa or Augustine, can be called saints. No, friend, this is a lie. In Revelation 1.6 and Revelation 5.10, Christ calls the church kings and priests in his sight. Also in the New Testament, we the church are addressed as saints on 62 occasions. 
Number six, Catholics are taught that only priests can understand the Bible and the common man in the pew is clueless to interpret it without the priest's help. But friend, a 12-year-old can understand the Bible. In fact, William Tyndale, speaking to a Catholic priest, said this, If God spare my life many years, I will cause the boy that drives the plow to know more of the scriptures than you. And they burned him at the stake for saying that. The sad fact is that Catholic priests of the Middle Ages would withhold the true doctrine that Christ redeemed mankind, and all they had to do was repent, put their trust in Him, and be saved by grace through faith, as Ephesians 2.8.9 outlines. Instead, these Catholic priests would use the laity's lack of knowledge as a weapon against them through several false forms of doctrine in order to control them. If ever the truth got out to the common man about Jesus, wanting to save everyone of their sin, then the Catholic Church would lose its power, and that's exactly exactly what happened during the Protestant Reformation. Once the printing press was invented by Johann Gutenberg in 1450 and Bibles got into the hands of the common people, the Catholics' power waned throughout Europe. Sixty years later, these Bible publications in the German language enabled Martin Luther to come to the full realization of saving grace through faith. Friend, there's a reason Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses on the church door at Wittenberg in Germany in 1517. After immense frustration, commencing the Protestant Reformation, Luther was sick and tired of the bondage that Catholicism held people in, and that bondage still exists today, unfortunately. They made up doctrines like purgatory in the 13th century, which is supposedly a middle ground between heaven and hell, having no basis in God's word whatsoever. They claimed that because some people are not fit for the afterlife, they had to undergo a transformative purification until the priest assured their relatives they had completed this purification in purgatory. And guess what? If the priests were paid money by their relatives, this would speed up the process of transformation. What a coincidence. So you had a bunch of innocent yet ignorant people who didn't have a Bible in their own language paying priests to get their dead loved ones out of purgatory. These so-called indulgences in the form of payment would offer remission from temporal punishment due to sin in purgatory. This perverse doctrine reached a crescendo when Johann Tetzel, a Dominican friar and seller of indulgences at the time of Luther, declared, quote, As soon as the coin in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory springs, unquote. No wonder that Luther protested against this sickening and degenerate practice of indulgences as a descent into the worst kind of works righteousness possible by stating Ephesians 2.8.9 was the remedy for this malpractice. Luther was obviously confronted by the papacy for his perceived attack on the Catholic Church and was asked to recant his views, but Luther held his ground. He said, unless I can be instructed and convinced with evidence from the Holy Scriptures or with open, clear, and distinct grounds of reasoning, then I cannot and will not recant because it's neither safe nor wise to act against my conscience. Friend, Luther boldly chose to take a stand and would not injure his conscience because the truth of God's word was out and the Holy See could no longer control the vox populi through ignorance of God's word. Courageous men like Martin Luther, John Huss, John Wycliffe, Desiderius, Erasmus, and William Tyndale wanted to get the Bible into the hands of common man, but the papacy's insistence that only priests could rightly interpret the Bible caused the papacy to hunt, kill, and even burn many commoners at the stake for their godly desire of reading the Holy Writ in their own language. As I said, this included William Tyndale, who was an English Bible translator, 
Tyndale was strangled and burned to death, and his dying words were this, Lord, open the King of England's eyes. And sure enough, King Henry VIII ordered the Bible of Miles Coverdale to be used in every parish in the land shortly thereafter. Later, King James published the paragon of God's word, the King James Bible. Thank God for these brave men who were willing to sacrifice their lives to get the word of God into our hands. Now, the shocking statistic I'm about to share with you reveals the bloodthirstiness of the Roman Catholic Church throughout the ages. John Dowling documented this in his fine work, History of Romanism, published in 1871, and I'm quoting from his work. From the birth of the popery in 606 AD to the present time, it's estimated by careful and credible historians that more than 50 million of the human family have been slaughtered for the crime of heresy by popish persecutors, an average of more than 40,000 religious murders for every year of the existence of popery. Friend, this is simply ridiculous, tragic, shocking, devastating. I'm lost for words upon hearing the amount of martyrs that suffered at the hands of the medieval Catholic Church. But God knows, friend, I urge you to share the gospel with your Catholic friends and understand the price that was paid to get the Bible into your hand. Let them know, these Catholics, the amount of sacramental observances. They'll never be good enough in the sight of God because there's none righteous, no, not one. We should never forget history, friend, and the sacrificial price paid, sometimes with their own lives, by brave men and women who sought to translate the Bible into English and other languages and to get it into our hands. It is so important that we never forget this wonderful effort by these people. Friend, this is a difficult topic to cover, but like I said, no topic is off the table, and we must always defend the truth no matter what. You've been listening to Carl Joseph and the Lions Unchained podcast. Carl is a minister who's witnessed God's supernatural power to save, heal, and deliver. Carl is a unique researcher who investigates current affairs, societal trends, technology, cults, and end-time events, all through a biblical lens. Every Monday, new podcasts are uploaded, so stay tuned for the next opportunity to roar into victory. Check out carljosephministries.com for exciting articles, teachings, and discussion points. See you next week. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button 